Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Kareem Hamity, COO and co-founder of AltExchange. AltExchange is a platform that helps advisors better manage all the complexity around the issuance, management, and stewardship of alternative investments in the marketplace. And with that, here's my interview with Kareem. Okay, Kareem, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Kareem Hamity of AltExchange. Tell us about AltExchange. Uh, yeah, so AltExchange company is a few years old, and what we do is we focus on aggregation and automation technology for alts. And what that means is we go get the data from wherever it lives, whatever platform it lives in. We download a bunch of PDFs, Excel files, and then we use machine reading technology to make sense of that data, and then we send it to any other system you need, whatever portfolio management system you need. So think about us as the glue in the middle that grabs alt data across disparate sites and then sends it to wherever you need it for the advisor and their clients to actually understand the performance of their investments. Perfect. So we're going to dive into just how challenging that is because, and the fact that we unfortunately have to resolve to scraping data from PDFs, man. What a world. All right. So we're going to dive into that in a second, but talk to me about the origin of the company. Like, where did it come from? So I started, I co-founded the company with Zach, completely different background. My background was more traditional finance. I did a stint in investment banking for a number of years. Then I did private equity, uh, direct investing across a series of strategies. And then I spent 11 years at Bloomberg most recently, and I built the alts platform there. And that was for focused more on the institutional clients, so pensions, sovereign wealth funds, endowments, foundations. And then Zach is a serial entrepreneur. He's focused on automation um, in a bunch of different spaces. And he had the personal problem where he ended up with a bunch of different alt holdings and was was not getting the service he needed from the advisory community at the time. And so we set out to say, could we build technology to make the tracking of alts easier for individuals, whether or not they had an advisor? And that's the genesis of Alt Exchange. Excellent. All right. So let's frame the problem. Okay. So this is not like buying an ETF or mutual fund, whatever else it is, where there's very well-developed marketplaces and rails for basically pushing data between systems. This is a bit of a mess. Talk to me about the landscape it looks like at the origination stage. There's multiple reasons it's a mess, right? So if you think about an ETF or a stock or a bond, there's an identifier, right? We all know an identifier, you can type it into any browser, you can type it into any brokerage account, you get a price, you get a bunch of data on it. And there's also... Yeah, right, it's on a default app on uh, the iPhone. Exactly. And there's lots of regulatory bodies that say you need to report this information in this way. So none of that really exists in private capital markets, broadly speaking. So there's not an identifier that everybody can use if you made a fund investment or an investment or a private company. Nobody knows the identifier for that private company. So there's that challenge. Are we talking about the same entity? How are we tracking the entity? Then there's the, the asset managers or the companies themselves report on different metrics. So you have to standardize and normalize the reporting. And then once you've done that, you have to put it into a way that can be understood. And, and they also measure performance on an IRR basis, not on a time-weighted basis. So there's the performance standards, there's the identification of the securities, and then there's taking non-structured data and structuring it. And then you have exactly what you're looking for once you do all this. Excellent. Okay. So we got all that. So you got that standardization in one side of the world, and you have everything else in the alts world, which is almost a, I won't say they're all bespoke. I mean, they're using different, you know, templates and whatnot, but these deals are pretty esoteric, right? Like they, they can be very, very varied. You know, another differentiating folk is if you want to buy a stock or a bond or an ETF or mutual fund, you can pretty much select any brokerage account you want and buy that stock or bond on that platform. 
there's no difference between a TD or a Fidelity or a Schwab or you name your favorite, your brokerage account. You can buy Apple or Google or a mutual fund on any of those platforms. Not everybody buys their alternatives through a platform. There are platforms or marketplaces out there to buy alternatives. But think about another private capital asset. A lot of an individual's wealth might be in their house. They could have passion assets. They could have friends that have done startups and those are administered at a different place. They could have bought something through an iCapital and now they're logging into iCapital. Maybe they have some crypto and they have a Coinbase account. So you end up having multiple places you need to go to go access your investment information. And then you need an aggregator of those multiple places to actually say, here's what I actually own. I own five things that are not stocks and bonds and I need to do take action on those things. I have capital calls, I have distributions, I have tax documents. So how do I get all that information in a centralized place and also put it in front of my advisor? Right, so let's talk about this. So okay, here we have a limited source of data, which is typically the prospectus, or whatever the offer memorandum, whatever contract is being put in place, and it details everything. And these things are different. And there's no standard reporting centralized database of this stuff for anyone to tie into, right? So there we have challenge one. So. Unfortunately, we are down to just the source of truth, which is a PDF of the contract, unfortunately. So, so talk to me about, about at what stage you get involved with that. Like what stage, what stage do you actually intake the PDF and start building your database of how these things work? Really good question. So if we were to draw a bright line of the workflow, right, there's sort of the pre-investment process there, and there's the ad investment, like I've actually done all the work, I want to make the investment. And then once you've made it, there's the post-investment reporting. Alt exchange is 99% of what we do is post-investment. So in the pre-investment phase, if you were an asset manager and I was a potential investor, you would have to vet me, you'd do your know your customer, AML, you would, I would go do a bunch of research, you'd give me your PPM or your OM or information on the company, you'd have a bunch of diligence back and forth, and then it's like, I'm ready to go. I would sign a subscription agreement or a convertible note. I'd sign some document, which is essentially the security, which is usually a PDF, and I make a commitment to you, a financial commitment to you, and I wire money your way, either all at once or over time. And then once that happens, you start reporting to me, right? So that's all the pre and at investment, which we're not actually involved in at Alt Exchange. Once I've made the investment, made the commitment, then you send me quarterly reports, you send me annual tax documents, you call capital with a certain period of time, you distribute capital back to me based on successful events. So those are all the actions and workflows we're tracking. Uh, but to your original point, the crazy thing about the industry is you're taking structured data that lives in a database somewhere with some asset manager or fund admin. You're turning it out into a PDF, which is a coordinate-based system. And then all of us have to take this coordinate-based document and deconstruct it back into a database in order to do things like, say, you have a capital call due next Tuesday. Or, you know, here's your return on this particular investment you've made. So yeah, it's a big roundabout way of doing something that should be relatively simple if there was a coherent underlying infrastructure we could all utilize and plug into. In a, in a perfect world, yes. Unfortunately, someone's got to establish that in mandate. Yep. Unfortunately, yep. that's not going to happen. All right, so you got that. You're taking these PDFs, you're extracting that data, and you're standardizing the structure of how you're basically going to report that. Now, I'm curious, how complex does this get? Because I mean, I've seen like some of this stuff is like pretty standard. Other things will like literally send you physical objects as part of an inducement to actually invest in them. I got to think you guys are constantly like, we don't have a field to put that in. We got to create a yep. new field. Right? Like, is that happening frequently or what's going on there? The, the analogy I like to give is, you know, a bank statement 
regardless of the banking institution you utilize, there's there's a logo on a page somewhere on that page. There's a beginning and end date on everybody's statement. The periodicity is usually monthly. Then there's a beginning balance and ending balance. There's credits and debits. And then down below, there's the transaction log of those credit and debits. You know, what bank you use and how you get that information really doesn't matter. They all, the bank statements have the information you need to build beginning balance, ending balance, and how you got from one mm-hmm. to the next, and also the time frame that this, this bank statement is for. So that's analogous to a cap account statement or a partner a cap account statement at an asset manager. Now, the difference is the asset managers call line items different things at different times. So there's a normalization task. So incentive distribution rights is the same thing as GP carry. So you need to know that, hey, that's a fee that you're paying based for performance. So we've done the normalization. So when you're looking at an asset manager A versus asset manager K, it really is apples to apples performance because we've gone through all the various line items on both cap account statements. And we've said, okay, here are the fee buckets, here are the contribution buckets, the distribution buckets, and we've normalized the experience for both the client and the advisor. So it's not super complicated, but it in that you can put them in generalized buckets, but it is time consuming and tedious to actually do that, you know, with various asset managers that don't conform to a standard. So yes, I see where you're coming from. At the end of the day, despite the fact these things get esoteric, there are universals. And I yeah. think, yeah, making that the primary focus and then kind of, you know, bearing the other stuff and links or whatever else, or however you're handling it, it's perfect sense, right? Because we can all get, I think it's, it's too easy to get caught up, just like I did right there in, in the esoteric aspects of these things versus the actual standardized ones. Okay, so that's the onboarding, that's the getting all the information in there. Uh, you know, you kind of touched upon it already, but let's talk about, besides the fact now that I have these standardized contracts as an advisor in this system, and I can see them, and I know which clients are connected to them, and to what degree they are. Talk to me about the duty of care I have or what I need to do to help facilitate stuff going on, going forward beyond just reporting to clients. So as you said, there's capital call issues. Like, tell me how you help manage any kind of workflows that happen out of there. The, the process of onboarding a client is relatively simple for us, right? I'll give you the, the first part of the process and then things we enable the advisor and or the client to do. First part of the process, the advisor engages us. They give us some minimal client information, the name, the entities they have, contact information, then the only thing the client needs to do is they sign a reporting authorization letter, which allows us at the client's behalf to go and grab their information for reporting purposes. So that's the all the information we need from the advisor and the client. Then our team goes out, makes contacts with the asset managers. You know, we have relationships with hundreds or if not thousands at this point. And then we get logins to these various portals. And then we start bringing down all of the various information like we like we talked about. Once that's done, the workflows after that are largely, okay, am I ready to do taxes this year? Do I have all the K-1s and 1099? So we have tax center for advisors and you can invite in your CPA and we handle all of the collection of tax documents. So in that, let's say, Jason, let's say you had 12 investments let's say only 10 of them receive tax documents. So two of them are like a startup or a, you know, you have a car or baseball card. So on those 10, we would be looking for tax documents. And then throughout the year, when we receive them, we show you have three of 10, six of 10, eight of 10, you know, 10 of 10. And another example, let's say we received a document on June 30th last year. If we don't have it within 10 business days this year, our team goes out and proactively is getting that. Mm -hmm. So we're taking that workflow off the advisor's desk when it's ready to go, 
It's a multi-select download. You get a zip file with all 10 tax documents. You can also invite your CPA directly in the system and make it their problem. So the advisor doesn't even need to deal with tax documents if they don't want. So we show you tax preparedness. And because we're doing extraction on all these documents, we can also show you what distributions have you received year to date. So a lot of our clients need to prepay quarterly taxes and we show you year over year distribution. So you were distributed X last year, you distributed Y this year, you should be aware of those, are they profit, are they principal, you have to prepay taxes. So all of that is in one screen on our platform and it saves a tremendous amount of time because advisors are advising on investments, they're largely not doing taxes for their clients, but they're responsible for the collection of tax documents. So we've now given them that time back essentially in alt exchange. Other couple workflows are when you get a distribution, your advisor should be aware of it, right? Today it lands in your bank account. They largely don't know about it unless you've told yeah. them about it. So alerting the advisor, hey, Jason just got a $25,000 distribution. Your advisor should call and be like, hey, congratulations. Do you want to put it in an interest-bearing account? Do you want to make yeah. another alt investment? Like what should we do with this capital that we well, we already have plans for, whatever it might be. So that makes perfect exactly. sense. Yeah. And then making capital calls. You have a whole roster of, I might have three capital calls due in the next two weeks. As my advisor, he'd be like, Kareem, do you want me to fund these on your behalf? Or are you going to fund them? And so we allow the advisor, again, we've extracted the information. You could put a calendar invite on my calendar. So I don't get a text message just says wire transfer $52,000. I have no idea what it's for. We've delineated it's for this investment out of this entity. This is the amount due and this is the date it's due. So even if you're making these capital calls on my behalf, I'll know exactly what they're for. I'm not panicked when I receive some text message saying they're wire out of one of my brokerage accounts. You know, first off, there is so much to suggest there. A, you know, advisors did not get into the business to be back office administrators, right? Yep. Or back office logistics managers, right? And that's exactly what we're talking about here. If they're going to have to aggregate all this tax information, know what's actually coming on, it's, it's a big enough challenge. So the fact that you're putting everything in there from what money needs to go out, what money need, is coming in, and here's all the reporting. Honestly, I can think of nothing that annoys a client more than screwing up their tax return because of, of stuff getting missed. So the amount of, of I think, just fear or, or sleepless nights advisors would have over, did I get this thing right? For Especially for my large clients who are doing this sort of stuff, uh, it's incredible. So so well done for, for putting that in one place. Okay, Thanks. so you, yeah, so you've got all that. And that's not a small, I mean, at least you're, you're making it work because you have the source of truth, you have the document, you can create all the milestones and everything needs to come out from there. You know exactly what's going to happen based on, well, at least based on what, what should have happened or what should be happening. And the fact you're able to put those validation checks in there is, is pretty substantial. Now let's, let's talk about what happens when, you know, an alt doesn't necessarily start going the way it should be, right? Distributions are challenged. How are you capturing that data? So there are lots of checks and balances in the system. And there's, there's a couple different lanes you can think about. You can think about, we have data in the system. Is it all consistent with one another? So an example of that is I just received a capital account statement. It says the contributions for Q2 of this year were $12,000. What we do is we say, okay, look at all the capital calls in Q2 of this year for that investment. Do they sum to $12,000? Yes or no. So that's saying there's a series of events that have happened. We got statement that says this is what should have happened. Do they actually match? Are we tying everything that happened within an investment to one another? Then there's the problem of, hey, are we missing something, right? Did we not receive a tax document we should have received? Did an investor in a particular investment get a capital call and the other investors in that investment have not received a capital call? So there's missing data or potentially missing data. And there's also 
data consistency within the various documents and within the various workflows that happen in an investment. So we have uh, a system, we call it BIQC rules. It's business intelligence quality checks that's constantly running these checks and balances on our system to make sure, one, we're not missing anything and we're being proactive to go get it. And two, everything within the system is in check. So we don't have unrealized value spikes going a certain way. Capital calls equal contributions, distribution notices equal distributions, and, and many other checks throughout the process. Let's talk about uh, then how you play nice with everybody else. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're not just a platform sitting off in the corner that someone's got to use that and then reconcile elsewhere. Talk to me about your integrations and how you empower that, how that helps empower the advisor's daily workflow. There's been a lot of relationship building in that in that world, because I think when you come out and you say, we're using AI and we're tech enabled, people are like, okay, like, who do you compete with? Are you taking business? Like, where do you sit? Who are you? And I, I think we built relationships with most of the major portfolio management systems, and we're, we're able to get access data and a lot of the different fund admins and asset managers. And it's really because we're just enabling something for their end client. We're not a replacement we are not a marketplace. We are not a fund admin. We are not a custodian, right? We are not a portfolio management system. So we don't really compete with any of the of any of our partners we connect with. And they're all incented to actually make their end client and the advisor happy, right? So uh, just to make sense, like we don't offer any competitive products. If you want to buy a fund on iCapital versus Case versus Byte versus Gridline versus AcreTrader or CrowdStreet, Go buy your alts wherever you want to buy your alts as an individual or an advisor. Our job is to go get the data from wherever you've purchased them or wherever they're administering them. And then if you need tasks in a CRM system or a portfolio management system, we send it there. You don't ever need to use alt exchanges, UI, UX. We think we have like a very slick, simple interface in the middle, but we're really just a data exchange Ooh. for asset managers and portfolio management systems to kind of communicate together. So it's kind of the Switzerland example of we're not stepping on anybody's toes and we want to be interoperable with everybody. We're always neutral. Okay, good. good trying. Enough. Yes, we're the, trying. Uh, but, but it makes perfect sense, right? Like, at the end of the day, the last thing anyone needs is another system to log into for basic yeah. administration, right? And, uh, and it makes perfect sense in that, yes, your highest best value is that you have basic, you you're controlling all that data, which is allowing the enablement of everything else. But at the same time, I get it as a product, as a manufacturer of, of this product or as a builder of this product, you also need the you also need the console for, for everybody who just wants to look at it all in one place or doesn't want to use anything else or, or whatever else it is. And actually just to prove that you can do it, right? So it's interesting. You're not the first conversation I've had with a fintech where we have a discussion about, oh, you built this, but you know what's really valuable is everything you're funneling into that. You know what would yeah. be great is if you can push that into Salesforce or into Orion or yeah. into investment. Like, I'm sure, you know, the second you guys started floating the idea, that was like, oh, that's awesome. But I would love if it went here. Yep. And again, just pointing to the real value is, is, in, the, is in the data. So I, it's, it's an interesting struggle because uh, I hope anyone listening to this who's looking to do some form of product where you're aggregating novel data and presenting it in a way that is valuable. Do not lock yourself into your product. That is the worst thing you can do because frankly, now you're in competition with things that are much more robust and much more commonly adopted. And you got to convert, convince people to convert versus simply becoming pipes. Exactly. Becoming pipes, becoming pipes is, is lucrative, man. That's, that's a, you know, everybody wants to be a, a you know, becoming the, the default protocol for how things basically move through uh, from point A to point B is an incredibly lucrative play. Yeah, as unsexy as plumbing or glue might be, they're absolutely necessary, especially yeah. in an industry like this. And so, yeah. you know, on the front end, 
we have things we call sync workers that go and aggregate the data. And then on the other side, we have extegration. So where we send the data and daily we're building and maintaining sync workers to get data from new places and build partnerships in more uh, structured and streamlined ways. And then on the other side, again, wherever you as the advisory firm need the data, we'll send it a bespoke system, Orion, Adapar, Black Diamond, Salesforce, wherever you need the data to go, it's your data. Uh, We're just stewards of it in the middle. So we'll send your data wherever you tell us to send it to. Yeah, the founders of Stripe have made uh, a fortune not being sexy, okay? So let's let's, (laughs) take not sexy every day of the week if it pays like that, okay? So, so, okay, so that's where you are currently. Let's talk about where you want to go with this. Uh, You know, where do you see this all moving towards? What do you think the future holds for you guys? Like, what direction are you heading? You know, there are really interesting things you can do once you have the data. There are also like absolutely necessary things that you could do that you can part out. So let me let me do the interesting things. I don't know really any investors that read the quarterly updates from their asset managers start to finish, especially when they have dozens. So they don't. You mean they don't? They don't? They don't care about those legal disclosures? Oh my not God. not from what we've heard. And but they all and they read really my newsletters just, like every week without failure. I'm sure. No. So <laughs> AI is really good at summarizing that, right? AI, you you could say, give me a two page summary of all of the asset manager quarterly updates I received last quarter or this year. If you zoom out a little bit, an advisor or an advisory firm can say, hey, what are the top 10 performing asset managers across my entire client base? What are the bottom 10 performing asset managers across my entire client base? So there's a lot of summarization you can do, you know, pushing summarized reports to your clients, asking questions to the system. What is my exposure to something? That's an easy question to get answered with all the corpus of information you have in these PDF documents. There's also benchmarking. There are, this client is like this client from an exposure perspective. Maybe there's something you can do here with a particular roster of investments. So that's the, let's go, we have a bunch of data. Let's go make meaning for it, for the advisor, for the end client. And let's summarize tremendous amounts of data and something that's digestible. And then if someone wants more information, they kind of double click, they go in, they read the document, they understand about the asset manager's position. Breaking apart the system, which we've already started doing is to your point, it's great that you can do all this stuff, alt exchange. We only want a sync worker in the sorter. We want you to host that environment in our environment, right? So we need to be able to log into these four portals every single night. And we need you to sort all the documents into these 15 different types. And we need to drop them in our S3 bucket or our Azure bucket. Can you just do that part? So we've, we've broken apart our tech. We've actually rebuilt our sorting model on a series of LLMs. We rebuilt our extraction model. So you're going to be able to essentially buy the component that you need or use the component you need. You don't have to use it within the alt exchange infrastructure ecosystem and have the sort of start to finish experience if you don't want to have that experience. Excellent. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask every day on a positive note. And the first is, if you had one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? It does stun people. It's in the industry, I would just say, more interoperability, like a technical focus on interoperability, I think yeah. would help everybody, the industry and the company. Oof, that's a big wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah a wish. I'm making it. <laughs> the easy one would wish. be re- more resources. There's always yeah. a, a ton to do. And you're, I think as a startup, you're always under resource, but uh, cool. we're doing we're doing great with what we have so far. That may be the answer to your second question, the second question, which is what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is today? Time and market, really a lot of uh, clients or customers, there's always a proof of concept. They're like, prove it to us. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. We haven't lost a single client or customer. And so it's been great, but you can't beat time, right? You got to be there. 
Yeah, it's the old adoption curve, right? You have your early adopters and then you'll have your fast followers. And then eventually you start, you know, oh, you now have all those companies. Okay, guess you're safe, right? Yep. Meanwhile, you've been safe since like day one, but you know, you got to prove it. You got to prove it and you got to earn it. So, all right. And then the last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning to fight the good fight? It's early days. It's a solvable problem by tech and it's a massive problem. So just the analogy that resonates most is institutions were sub 5% in private capital markets in the late 90s, early 2000s. Now they're 40, 50%. High net worth and ultra high net worth individuals are already double digit percentages and all. It's like we have many platforms we can invest on, you and I. The average advisory client is still very low single digits. So it's becoming a massive problem for advisors. It's still early days. And the tech when you see it working, it's kind of amazing. It has that wow moment like, wow, it's actually, it does all the things you think it can do and more. Graham, thank you so much for your time today. I very much appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having us. So that was Manny with Korean Hamity of, of Alt Exchange. Hopefully you enjoyed that podcast. And if you're in the US market looking for something to help you better manage your alts, uh, good luck to you. But, uh, but frankly, here's a wonderful solution for you to take a look at. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.